Good morning, everyone. My name is Megan Roberts, and I'll be doing the scripture reading this morning, which is Isaiah 40, verses 3 to 14. If you'd like to join me with your Bible, it's Isaiah 40, verses 3 to 14. A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all human faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? This is the word of the Lord. Hey everyone, uh, it's real good to be together again. And even as we've just been led in worship this morning and thanks to Providence and Jesse for uh, just leading us. And here, you know, in, in the room as we're uh, singing uh, this, we're just sensing God's presence here as, as uh, Providence and Jesse have been leading us in worship. And I know for me, as I've been standing here, just uh, listening to them sing some of these great songs, uh, my own heart and mind and just been just been lifted again to see God and to to see his greatness and I'm reminded again of his great care and and compassion for us and and it's really good to be together again in this way and I'm just so glad to be able to come and, and share God's word with you uh, in this uh, in this moment you know the this has been a remarkable few weeks and um, looks like we're going to continue to be in this season for a while. Uh, and we're all taking this, you know, I guess day by day. But one of the great things that uh, I'm, I'm seeing is just how um, we're caring for each other. And just to hear of how people are connecting in different ways. And, and it's just great to see. And we're praying for you and just continuing to trust God in this very, very unique season. Um, if you're like me, I suppose it's kind of uh, easy to kind of lose track of days. 
uh, I, I guess that happens when we kind of uh, step out of our regular rhythm and regular routine. And so as it's been said, today is Palm Sunday. And this is no doubt a very, very different uh, Palm Sunday. And here we are uh, on our journey with Jesus uh, to, to the cross. And so as we think about that, what is it you, you see when you think about Palm Sunday? What image comes to mind? Now, I know, uh, I know we have a lot of uh, families right now who are maybe you're sitting in your living room, your family room, you're, you're, you're watching this service. And I know there are kids who are there with you in the living room. Um, and they may or may not be tuned into me at this moment. I know if I'm a betting man where I'm placing that bet, but you know, uh, you have kids there in the living room. Uh, and so I just want to speak to the kids for just a moment. Just, just uh, give me your uh, attention. I want you to do something for me. I want you to grab a piece of paper, maybe some, some crayons, and I'm going to read a story from the Bible about what happened on Palm Sunday. And I'd like for you to draw me what you see here, what you're hearing. I want you to draw me a picture of, of Palm Sunday as I read this. You might want to draw this color to me and then get someone to, to, to take a picture of it and email me after, all right? And so I'll be waiting for your pictures. We all have this image of Palm Sunday. So let me, let me read to you this story from John chapter 12. This, this Palm Sunday account actually appears in all four uh, of the Gospels. And I want to I bring us to the Gospel of John. John chapter 12. So we're all listening. And if kids, uh, here, here's this story, especially at the front end. Listen to what happened on Palm Sunday. You go ahead and, and just imagine this and, and, and draw it out for me. John chapter 12, verse 12. So, the next day, a large crowd had come to the feast, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. He's coming to town. And so, people took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him. And they were crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it just as it was written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, John continues, and let me, let me continue on with what John writes here in verse 16. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. And the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing, for look, the world has gone after him. 
Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. And so these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, say, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And truly, I say to you, that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loses his life loves it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Amen. God bless the reading of his word. The first thing I want us to note about this Palm Sunday narrative, as John tells it, is that he frames the story within the, the, the continuing story of a man called Lazarus. And so let's begin there. We're introduced to him back in chapter 11. And Lazarus died from some sort of, uh, of illness. And we know that Jesus and uh, Lazarus enjoyed a, a special kind of, of relationship. And, you know, if we were to take time to really look at that story. It's a great story of, of God's timing and God's power. And, and so in the midst of, of, his, of his illness, Jesus is invited to, to come. Uh, and, and for those of you who are familiar with that narrative, you know well that, that, Je- that Lazarus dies. Uh, Jesus comes a, a few days later. And as you know from reading the story, there is this great miracle as Lazarus is raised from from the dead. If you have your Bible there with you, I want to read to you uh, John 11 verses 40 to 44. And so Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the man who died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. It's quite a scene, isn't it? when you really stop and think about that that image. So the stage is kind of set there for chapter 12 and John's account of Palm Sunday. Again, following along in your your Bible, uh, the, the scene as chapter 12 opens is a dinner scene, a dinner party. Uh, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem for the Passover. 
You know, the Passover is the, this national Jewish festival that recalled and celebrated the, the Exodus event. And, and this was at the heart of, of their identity as a people. And so we have this, this scene as, as John chapter 12 opens. Let me read it, verses 1 and 2. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And so they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at, at the table. And so it's, it's, again, quite a scene. People gathered around a table. There's this special dinner in, in honor of Jesus. And around the table is Lazarus. A man who had, who had died had been buried, and now is, is miraculously alive. And as, and as I read that, you know, I'm struck by just how matter-of-fact, matter of you know, the writer writes here. You know, he just says that they're sitting around this table, Lazarus is there, and just almost casually says, you know, whom Jesus raised from the dead, as if this is just no real big deal. I mean, this, this event had created quite a stir. This is the kind of event that makes for a great town slogan, right? You know, something like, welcome to Bethany, we, we raise the dead, or, or, or some, something, something like that. And so we're invited into this, into this private dinner party. Jesus is there. Lazarus is there. And then the focus shifts to Mary. And Mary is a, a sister of Lazarus. And John writes that Mary took some very expensive perfume and anointed the feet of Jesus and, and wiped his feet with their hair. And the gospel writer notes that this was a very large and expensive amount of perfume. And it could have been worth... A, a lot of money, perhaps an entire year's wages for some laborers at that time. So I think we pause here and we note that this was a radical display of worship. That this truly was a gift of extravagant love. And it, as, I, as I read that this week, it just causes, it causes us to, to think about what a proper response to Jesus looks like. I, I, I hope that you're in this season, you know, carving out time to, to, to gaze upon the beauty of Jesus, to seeing Jesus, and then, and then responding in grateful worship. Uh, someone wrote that if we really see Jesus for who he is, the almighty, the infinite God of the universe, if we understand his beauty, that he is the all-satisfying, wondrous, joyful God who promises to give peace and blessing and satisfaction in himself to those who come to him. If we get this, how can we possibly withhold anything from him? And so we, we pause as we look at Mary and, and we ask ourselves the question, what does extravagant love for Jesus look like? Well, John's, John's Palm Sunday narrative then continues. And the scripture that I read earlier says, The next day, 
Jesus, followed by a large crowd, makes his way into Jerusalem. And, and this is the kind of scene that in our current uh, COVID context makes, uh, might send shivers up our spine. Right? You, you've, got this, you've got this wild scene. You've, you've, got, you've got people everywhere. It, it, at Passover, you know, the population of Jerusalem swelled. You have this image of the streets are filled. People are, are shouting and they're, they're waving palm branches. There was a crowd that, that was with Jesus as he entered Jerusalem. And then we also know that there's another crowd who's coming to meet him and they're converging. And so we have this crowd coming both ways and there's just this, this mass of humanity. And, and we look at that in our context and, and, and you know, kind of just uh, shake our heads. But, but what's, what's happening here? This story is told by John is pointing to the fact that that Jesus is the king of Israel. And now, unlike before, Jesus is embracing it. Uh, earlier in John's gospel, back in chapter 6, verse 15, there's this story and, 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 and the, the scripture says that perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Well, well, this time things are different. The crowds on this day, they're shouting, they're shouting uh, Psalm 118. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We, we bless you from the house of the Lord. The crowd is, they're, they're waving palm branches. Again, this has this, this, this symbol of a victorious ruler. And so Jesus now is now embracing this moment and in what can only be described as a very deliberate gesture with, with everybody else on foot walking, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. No doubt this drew attention. And it also linked back to the ancient prophecy of Zechariah chapter 9. That ancient prophecy which said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, and shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. For behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so we have this, we have this deliberate gesture, a profound statement. Jesus is now saying, yes, I am king. I am, I am your king. I, I'm the king of Israel. But, but make no mistake, he is a different kind of king. And he is ushering in a different kind of king kingdom. He, he truly is a, a king of peace, a humble king sitting on a donkey, not, not a war horse, not, not, not some uh, revolutionary military, uh, military conquest, but, but this humble, peaceful king. He, he truly is a king who, who defies expectations. 
But I also want us to see that John is telling this Palm Sunday narrative in a way that is showing us that Jesus is not only the king of Israel, but he's in fact, he's the king of the world. He's the king of the nations. Look at verse number 19 as, as the opponents of Jesus, the, the Pharisees begin to say to one another. They say, you see that you're, getting, you're gaining nothing for look, the world has gone after him. And then right after that, who shows up in the story? The scene shifts again to some, to some Gentiles some non-Jewish people who wanted to meet with Jesus. Look at verse, verses 20 and 21. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. And so these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida and Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Why, why here and why now? Well, God is wanting to show us that Jesus truly is the king of the nations. He's the king of the world. And as Jesus hears their request, the request of these foreigners, he says, he says, the hour has come. The hour has come for me to be glorified. And we ask, well, well, how? How will Jesus, a different kind of king, become the king of the nations? He will do so in a way that defies expectations. And listen to Jesus in verse 24. He says, truly, truly, I say to you that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Down in verses 32 and 33, Jesus goes on to say, And when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And then John says, he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So here it is, friends. Jesus becomes the king of the world through his death. God's kingdom of salvation and peace will be ushered in by Jesus' death and resurrection. His, his death will be like a seed that, that sprouts and grows. And so Jesus is saying, I will be the most glorious person in the universe when my Father raises me from the dead and gives me a name that is above every name and all the nations will come and bow down before me. Yes, friends, Jesus, he is a king that defies expectations. And so all of these events and going back to the raising of Lazarus, the, the dinner party, the Palm Sunday entrance into Jerusalem, and now these, these seeking Gentiles. All of these events are part of this unfolding narrative of, of the glory of God, the revelation of God. They are, they are leading to the climactic moment when through his death and resurrection, Jesus will reveal himself finally and fully to the world. 
as the Savior, as the Redeemer, the Rescuer, the Soul Saver, the, the one who fully justifies and forgives sins once and for all. Jesus the King, the humble King, will die so that others can live, so that you and I might live. And he will achieve victory over sin and death by going to the grave himself and then vanquishing its hold through his resurrection. And we are the great recipients of Jesus' death. He died so each one of us could have life. He died in your place. Don't, don't ever get over that. Don't let his death become routine to you. Ne never lose the wonder that Jesus died in your place. And so this is a story about discovering who Jesus is. All of these moving parts, these different scenes and various people are all part of the unfolding story of God's glory of people seeing Jesus for who he is. And the story reaches right into this very moment. Right here, right now. And through our worship today, through the reading of scripture, through the preaching of God's word, we are praying that this has created a stir in your life. Those of you who are watching right now saying, I want to see Jesus. I want to know this king. I want to embrace this, this savior. I want you to know, friends, that that the gospel is not good instruction. It's not a good idea. It's, it's, it's not about good advice. The gospel is the announcement of what God has done to save us in Jesus Christ. And before us today is a God who defies expectations. And this story is a reminder that God comes to us in ways that truly defy our expectations. And what a relevant truth that is in this season. Friends, I want you to see Jesus today who's a different king. He's a humble king. A shepherd king. A king who is victorious in his death. I want you to see that this Jesus, a different king, he offers a different salvation. If we were to take the time to really look at the context here and, and really wrestle through the question, what were the people expecting on Palm Sunday? What kind of salvation were they expecting? Jesus defied those expectations, but but let me ask you right now in this moment, in our current context, what do you think you need saving from in this moment? I, I want us to understand, friends, that the greatest pandemic in our world is sin. It was true before this current COVID pandemic started, and it's true now. It's sin that alienates us from God. It, has, it affects the entire 
entire population. It affects people from birth. But the good news today is that there is a cure and it's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ and through his amazing grace. Friends, the good news today is that Jesus, our King, lived the life we should have lived. He died in our place. He paid the price for our sin and now invites you to trust in him. I'm going to invite Providence and, and Jesse to return in this moment and get ready to lead us in, in another song. Jesus is a different king. He offers us a different kind of salvation and friends by his grace. He invites us into a different way of living. And again, he, he defies expectations. Look at, again at verses 25 and 26. Jesus says, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And so Jesus again defies expectations and says that we find life by giving ours away. And again, we say, well, how? We give ourselves away by trusting in and following Jesus and we pursue Jesus with every fiber of our being. We seek him, and through the path of servanthood, we bear fruit, and we keep our lives for all eternity. This, uh, this story began with us considering Lazarus. And let me end by suggesting that Lazarus is a picture of every Christian. Just think about it. Lazarus was dead. And then by the power and grace of God, he is alive and now he is feasting in the presence of Jesus. And that is a picture, friend, of every Christian. It's a picture of our lives that we, we were dead in our sins, unable to help ourselves. But King Jesus, by his grace, has saved us. And now we are invited into this life. And now you and I can feast in his presence. And to us who have been transformed by God's saving power, we can expect in these days and in the days to come, we can expect God to come near us in ways that defy the circumstances of this moment. How, friends, he reminds us that while we might be separated from each other, we cannot be separated from God's love or his presence. And he comes to us in this moment and reminds us that we are not alone. And one of the amazing things that God does is that he gives us a response that doesn't fit our circumstances. He gives us peace, and joy, and comfort, all of these great gifts. Friends, see your king today. Behold Jesus. 
See Jesus, this different kind of king, offering a different kind of salvation, inviting you into a different kind of life, all by God's grace. We're going to sing this great song that's rooted in Psalm 34. It's a great song of praise. And I, I just invite you right now in this moment to just sing that out as we are led in this great song. And then I'm going to come back and just have a word of prayer with you. Go ahead and sing this out, friends. Let's pray. That's good. That's a great song. Great way to end our service. Taste and see that the Lord is good and blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I encourage you to do that today. Trust in Jesus. Maybe there are those of you watching right now and you have yet to trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, to welcome Him as your King. I encourage you to do that right now in this moment. To trust Him as your Savior. To find your refuge in Him. May all of us now just turn to God in prayer. As we all find our refuge in Him and take great comfort that He's a God who is with us in this moment. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this gift that is ours to be able to, to come together in this way. Lord, we want to see you. We want to see you in a fresh way today. We want to see you as our king, as our humble king. We, we, we see you today as, as, as a different kind of king and we, we, we see the salvation, Lord, that you come to offer us and we see, Lord, how you've invited us into a different kind of life that, that, that by laying down our lives and trusting in you, we, we're, we're invited into this life of service and we keep our lives for all eternity. Lord, we praise you and thank you. God, I pray for people to find you to be their refuge right now in this moment. Lord, in the midst of the noise and everything that's going on all around us, Lord, we as your people, our eyes are upon you, we're trusting you, we're asking for grace to trust you more. God, I pray for our congregation right now. I just pray you'd keep us safe and well. And I pray you'd come near people who are walking through a variety of situations. And we just, Lord, I pray you'd Continue to shepherd us, Lord, and lead us through this time. For others who are watching this service, Lord, I pray for them and pray your nearness and presence in their lives as well. Lord Jesus, we pray that you'll be glorified today. You'll be lifted up. Lord, I pray your spirit to draw people to you today, in Jesus' name. So, Lord, we give you thanks, praise you, and we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. 
for your glory. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everyone. Be blessed today.